0: Welcome to the Grace City Eugene podcast. We exist to help every person in our sphere of influence to encounter Christ, experience biblical community, and extend God's kingdom. You can learn more about us at GraceCityEugene.com. Here's the podcast. Well, where we get to go now is week two of our Obstructions series. So last week we started a new series called Obstructions, Inhibitors of Our Faith. And last week, we recognized the reality that when we make a choice to follow Jesus, to orient our lives and our lifestyle around the way in which he calls us to live, there's gonna be things that try to obstruct that, that try to get in the way, that try to inhibit us living a godly, God-honoring life. And last week, we talked like big picture, like, hey, y'all, there's spiritual warfare going on. The Bible's really clear about it, but we have the armor of God. We looked at the different pieces of that, what that means for us in the context of living our daily lives, and uh, from my point of view, that idea of spiritual warfare and that there is a larger battle that is unseen between good and evil happening kind of bleeds into all the areas of obstruction, amen? Like, it's just that, that can get into all these different areas. And then starting today for the next few weeks, we're going to look at maybe some of the more specific. Ways, thought patterns, and things like that that, um, that inhibit us from pursuing Jesus fully or at least from walking out his call and purpose on our. Lives. And so I'm going to pray for us real quick, and then we're going to get in with this week's message. So, God, I pray that these words today would be from you, inspired by you. Would your Holy Spirit come fill this place? Would you give us ears to hear and hearts to receive your truth, how we would apply it to our lives, and how you want to impact our families, our neighborhoods, our workplaces, and our cities because of your word, and that you came uh, into this earth in the flesh to give your life so that people could be redeemed to their creator. So we thank you for that good news. Would you stir in us, in Jesus' name? And everybody said, amen. Amen. All right, so start out with a question today. Maybe some of you like it when I do that, maybe some of you get annoyed, but today we're starting out with a question. And uh, my question is this, have you ever had a thought response to something or, or felt like when you're presented with an option or an opportunity to do something, and you just, in your head, you're like, you can't make me do that. Anybody ever felt that way about something? Like, no, you can't make me. Now, I know, like, with kids, because I have some, they're like, that's a very common response, right? Like, you can't make me. And then I know as we get older, of course, we're more dignified, and so maybe we keep it in and we don't throw a temper tantrum. But the reality is that most humans respond at some point in any given day in that way to an opportunity they're presented with or or a challenge or something they're supposed to do, be it at the workplace, be it from a spouse, right? Whatever it is, just this thought or this idea of like, no, you can't make me. You can't make me do that. We know that that is an all-too-familiar response with children, but what about you? What about us? Like, if we're honest with ourselves, we're like, okay, I I feel like this guy's talking down to me right now. Trust me, like, I I bring up these illustrations from my own life, okay? And I go through this, like, daily, where I'm just, I'm wrestling with something, like, you can't make me do that. God, no. Like, (laughs) Spouse, no. (laughs) Kids, no. I don't want to go to another game. I don't want to help you with your homework. I don't want to do yard work. I don't want to do whatever it is. We have these things like you can't make me. In February of 2019, I had the opportunity to leave North America for the first time. And I went on this, what they call a pastor familiarization trip to Israel. And we saw a lot of stuff in a really short amount of time. And one of the tours that stands out uh, for various reasons, as you're about to hear, in my mind, is we did a tour of this tunnel system called the Hasmonean Channel. Now, what this channel was, was it was like this, it was all man-made, chiseled out of the stone ground, and it was this deep channel that uh, carried water from outside of the Temple Mount to the Temple Mount back in the day, like 19 A.D. and forward. And one of the reasons that they needed to bring fresh water to the Temple Mount was for ritual cleansing, stuff like that. But people literally, like, chiseled this out, and this is how water um, made it into the Temple Mount. And so, for some reason, our tour guide felt it important for us to go down below ground in this super-wide channel, um, tunnel, torture chamber, and, and travel under the city. Um, I preferred the fresh air and the light of above grounds, but um, I decided like well i'm gonna i am only been here once, like might as well do this right and uh as we started to get to this spot it was it started to get a little more restricting, as you can see the fellow in front of me he's about five six uh about one fifty so you know about the same size as me and uh <clears throat> when we got to this part of of the tunnel if you will I hear the tour guide say okay you'll want to take off your backpacks now because it's about to get more narrow and I'm like my backpack's already off and I'm like sidestepping in this puppy and you're telling me it's about to get more narrow like and so I was like I better take a picture just so that there's proof like in case something happens to me this is gonna be the last chance I'll probably be able to get my hand above my head I'm gonna take a picture now and so this is what you see As I'm like I don't know if I'm gonna make it out of here alive." And so I start to shuffle through following them. Uh, mind you that men at this time when this tunnel was made uh, averaged between 5 foot and 5'2 and 100 and 130 pounds. So I got about a foot and a couple pounds on them. Okay, that's what this tunnel was made for and made by. And I'm scooching through sideways. I got I my, my backpack could barely fit in there, much less me. And I'm scooching, I'm scooching. And they're like, okay, in about 50 to 100 more meters, it's going to open up. And immediately, I'm like panicked, right? I'm like, I swear this tunnel's giving me a hug already. And you're telling me I got 50 to 100 meters more of this. He's like, come on, Pastor Chris, you can do this. You got this. It's like, you can't make me, right? Like, that's what I, You cannot make me go any further. This is how it's going to end. I'm going to die. I ain't going to make it out of here. Like, and I don't know if you've ever been in an instance where, like, You're not in a really unreasonable place, but your thought patterns go unreasonable real quick, right? You know, like you just panic, and I was like, everything's falling in. What was that noise? Are like the caves falling in on me? Like I just go into this immediate panic, and they're like, come on, you got this. You got this, and I'm like, you can't make me do it. I'm out of here, and so it's not like you could turn around and go back the other way, so instead of going this way. I started going this way, and I'm like, get me out of here, get me out of here. I felt like the walls were closing in on me. I finally make it where I can walk straight forward. I'm like, praise God, I avoided that scheme of the enemy trying to trap me down below. <laughs> no, <it's a> <laughs> Listen to the sermon last week, it's kind of a joke. Um, but I made it out, I'm here. But I realized, like, in that moment, as irrational as it may have been, they probably wouldn't have let me down there, or maybe they just wanted it to be an experiment. They probably wouldn't have let me down there if they didn't think I was going to make it through. Um, but I was convinced if I take a step further, I'm gonna die. <laughs> like everything was closing in. I was feeling this anxiety that was so unfamiliar. I'm like, I, what am I doing? Like, I can't do this. Everything was closing in all around me. It was a super uncomfortable situation. And what came out of it was just this, you can't make me do this. I'm getting out of here. And other things in my head that we won't mention from the pulpit. But like, it was, I, I was terrified. I was terrified. Now, as much as this experience is unique, I don't know if anybody else in this particular room has been in this tunnel, this place, and experienced that particular thing. That may be unique. But I think the idea of all of the expectations and the situation and circumstances that we find ourselves in seeming to close around on us and make us feel like we, just, we can't do it, where we panic and we just say, you can't make me do that. Like, I don't think that's an all-too-unfamiliar situation for the human experience. I bet there are things, situations, ways of living, maybe even expectations at a job or in the context of your family that have made you feel like everything's just coming in around you and you can't breathe and you just need to grasp for like one last breath because you don't know why everything feels so heavy and claustrophobic and like it's closing in all around you. I don't believe that that is a unique human experience to feel those things. Can anybody relate in the room? I think that this happens on many levels. I think that this can happen in relationships. I think this can happen in workplaces. I know for me, I had a few classes in college where I felt that way. I was just like, Lord, I'm never gonna make it out of here. Like, How many times can I afford to retake this class because I need it to get the degree and I've spent too much already, right? Like, I'm the only one. Anyway, it's not an unfamiliar situation, circumstance, feeling to be in as an individual. Now we're at church today, so we're gonna talk about this in the context of Jesus. But I don't think it's all too uncommon that especially if we're new in this thing, that we are confronted with the call of God on our lives. We are confronted with the reality of how he calls us to live, how he calls us to interact with others, how he calls us to be sacrificial and loving, even to people that are unlovable seemingly. Like right, the, the call that he places on us, like really quickly, it can seem like it can be stifling, like it's compressing us, like it's just overwhelming and we don't know what to do. And all too many times, people just cry out to God, you can't make me do that. Now, I know it can get uncomfortable to, like, argue with God or admit that we argue with God. So I'll just model the way and say there are plenty of times in any given week where I'm like, no, God, you can't make me do that. I got too much going on already. Have you seen my schedule, God? Do you want to look in my eye, Cal? I cannot do that. I have too much going on. I can't handle any more pressure. Do you realize all the expectations are on, that are on me? And now I read this in your word and I'm convicted and you're asking me for, like, to notch it up another level. Like, no, you can't make me do that. And it can seem so like anxious and, and overwhelming. And the reality is... this is a common experience for anyone who is called to do more, to have more of an impact, to upgrade their present way of life as we pursue Jesus. Like, you just can't get away from the fact that if you say yes to Jesus, you're also saying yes to being uncomfortable. If you say yes to like the call of God on your life, you are going to step into a place and a lifestyle that requires a filling and refilling of the Holy Spirit to even pursue this way of life that God has called us to. And I believe that one of the biggest obstructions that Christians face today, one of the biggest inhibitors of our faith is this perception that we don't have the availability to say yes to the things that God has called us to do, the ways he's called us to live, the sacrifices he's called us to make. I believe that the obstruction that we're talking about today and one of the biggest ones we face is this perceived lack of availability to live the way that the Bible calls us to live. We can come up with all kinds of excuses of how that doesn't work now. I'm really busy right now. In the next season, I'll do that, God. But right now, you know I'm too busy. So in the next season, I'll do that. How many of you have claimed that the next season will bring change for at least a dozen seasons? <laughs> right? Like, if you're a busy person, next season will not be less busy. I, I, I'll i speak from experience. Like, oh, after this thing's done, yeah, but you've already given up that time. And so something else is gonna easily fill it. Like yesterday, I just coached my last basketball game. And I'm like, praise God, all that time's opening back up. No more middle school basketball to coach. And then immediately, building projects at the church. are like, hey, you have this stuff to get done in two and a half weeks. I guess, well, I guess all those practice times are now going to construction time, right? Like those are already chunks that are just begging to be taken up. If you are busy, if you operate, at a high rate of productivity. Next season will not be less busy. It's just the way of life. And so we fool ourselves oftentimes, saying, ah, I just gotta get through this, and then I'll be obedient. I just gotta get through this, and then I'll say yes to God. You know, I don't really need him in my life right now because things are going pretty good. So when things kinda get a little rough, then I'll come ask Jesus to be my savior. Or things are really bad right now, and I just need to get my act together so I can even approach God. There's multiple sides of this that we may be coming from, but the reality is that the enemy likes to tell you that you have a lack of availability to live the calling and the lifestyle that God has set before you. And I'm here to tell you today that that is not the biblical model, and God will provide for you where he calls you. Amen? He will provide the time, the energy, the mental bandwidth in the places that he has called you to function and operate and serve. That doesn't mean it's going to be easier, less busy. It just means he's going to be the hero of the story and not your ability to schedule. That's who is going to be the hero in this. Now today what I want to do in a short amount of time, because I like borrowed time last week from this week um, in my sermon. And so what I want to do today in in a rather simple, yet I hope profound, short amount of time is paint a picture of what our response, our attitude, or our posture should be when God calls us to do something. Now there's certain things in the Bible that are just like, you want to follow Jesus, this is how you're called to live. And it's not that you have to be gifted in that. It's not that you have to be a vocational minister. You don't have to have a gift of preaching, teaching, or evangelism to do these things. It's just if you want to walk in the way of Jesus and be a follower of him, those are things you're called to do. Now, there's other opportunities on top of that, like maybe there's long-term, short-term mission trips. Maybe there's like extra giving of your time or resources or using the skills and gifts God's given you to earn money in a workplace and serve the church in those things. Those are things that you have to discern through. You have to pray through, God, is this wisdom? Is this something you're calling me to do right now? And I want to help us understand what our response should be, one, in the just general level, I'm a follower of Jesus, here's what life should look like. But also, how do I receive opportunities, filter through them, and how should I respond to God when he might call me to other things in the midst of that? Not everybody's called to plant a church. Not everybody's called to go to another country as a missionary, but some are. And so we should know how to process and think through those things. So I want to go through a few scriptures here that paint a picture of how the disciples responded to Jesus. And I want to extract a couple things that are patterns that we see in it and talk about how that applies to us. Does that sound good? Perfect. All right, we're going to start out in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. And then we'll be in Mark and then Acts. But I swear it's not one of those 50 verse days. So starting in Jesus chapter 4, verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. And Jesus called them, and immediately, say immediately, Wrestle with that one. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. Now, Mark chapter 1, verse 17. He says, come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. And Acts chapter 16, verses 9 and 10. It says, during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. This is the word of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. So, like I said, I want to keep this simple today. Because sometimes I think simple is just easier to chew on. It's easier to do something about. It's easier to apply to our lives. But I believe there's a few things we need to recognize here about the call to come and follow Jesus. A few things that will help us realize that our availability is not about our understanding, but rather about his calling. Our availability is not something that we decipher. It's something we offer. Our availability is subject to obedience to Jesus. It's not something that we hold on to as some scarce resource, but we are to offer it up to him as the king, as the Lord, as the savior of our lives. Now, if you're feeling a little uncomfortable, that's okay. You should feel a little uncomfortable when we talk about these things. It's countercultural. It's probably something that's bringing a little conviction. I tell you every week, man, the repenting that I have to go through just to come up here with a clean heart and share this stuff with you because of what it does to me when I realize these things, you're not alone. Most likely, we're all in the same boat. So let's see what God's Word says about this together. Amen? The first thing I want to talk about here is we see a theme of timing. How many times do you maybe feel God calling you to something or you read something in scripture and you're like, I'm not doing that. I should probably do that. But your thought is, when should I do that? Anybody ever get caught up in that? Like, okay, the Bible's really clear that as a follower of Jesus, I need to do this. I need to be pursuing this way of life. Um, I recognize that. I also recognize that right now I'm not. So, when, how, like, how do I respond? And when we see Jesus, who, like, these disciples didn't even know, when he calls them, the scripture tells us in each one of these accounts that they responded to him at once or immediately, at once or immediately. Like, these guys are out preparing nets with their dad, fishing their way of life, and they responded, like, immediately. It wasn't like, hey, We gotta have a family meeting. We gotta like decipher through. Does this make sense financially for us right now? Um, We gotta we gotta get a five year plan here. And God, I'm I'm really loving this whole follow you thing. It's gonna be pretty awesome. But like, I got these things going on. So in five years, I'm all in. I'm all in. What would have happened if those guys would have waited five years to follow Jesus and respond? He'd have been dead for a couple years. it was a three year thing right and so <clears throat> there is an urgency in the call of jesus on our lives there is an urgency not just like for us to respond because tomorrow's not guaranteed but there is an urgency for how god might be using you all too many times especially when i'm speaking with young people and i'm giving them the opportunity to say hey like jesus died for you like, he, he wants to make your relationship with God restored. If you would say yes to him, if you would follow him, if you would repent, meaning turn from your way of life and live the way he's called you, like, there's new life in that. And one of the responses that I get the most, besides, yes, okay, let's do that, is, you know, things are going real good right now, man. And, like, I'm just, I plan on waiting until I'm older. <laughs> like, right now, I'm just living it up. And I feel like there's some things that I want to do with my life, and I don't want this Jesus guilt hanging over my head. And so once I get through doing me, then I'll do that Jesus thing. I think we all know an unfortunate story of somebody dying an untimely death, of somebody passing before they had a deathbed to receive Jesus on of passing in an unplanned fashion. And the reality is we are not guaranteed tomorrow. And so wherever and whenever we get the opportunity to share the gospel with somebody, we need to do it. We need to do it. We don't know what tomorrow brings, but we know what the gospel brings. That is the one certainty when you lay your head down tonight and you wake up tomorrow and you thank God for the breath in your lungs, simultaneously thank him that he has saving power and he has commissioned you, if you were a follower of him, to go and bring other people into that, to share that with other people. Does that mean everybody should just quit their jobs and go work for the church? No, please no. 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 Absolutely not. What it means is that every workplace in this city, we should be praying that there are Jesus-following Christians in those places willing to use the influence they have, willing to step into those situations and share what they believe, unashamedly sharing what Jesus offers, the broken situations and broken relationships that are in every building in our city every building in our county. It's not about, look, I'm feeling this call, pastor. I'm going to come work for the church. It's like, we ain't got no money to hire you, so why don't you keep your job, (laughs) put food on the table, and go reach the people at your workplace where they won't let me in because I'm a pastor. Think about the influence and the access that each of you have wherever God's put you, that you wouldn't have that access if you were a professional minister. Like. We need marketplace folks. We need moms. We need teachers. We need all of these people that would love Jesus and bring him in and reflect him wherever you have influence in relationships. Amen. But it's urgent. There is a timing aspect that we can't just sit back and try to work out our own plans. Now, in this last passage I read you about Paul, preceding this vision he had, God told him to wait He wanted to go somewhere, and God was like, nah, not yet, and then he gave him the vision and said, go, and his response was like, right on, let's go, let's go preach the gospel. So sometimes there's a God-given wisdom on don't do that yet, don't plant that church yet, don't change jobs yet, don't this yet, like you you have to listen to him, but what I'm trying to paint with the picture of this timing thing is obedience should be immediate or at once, not following your own ambitions necessarily necessarily. But when God calls you to do something, like what does it look like to say, okay, sounds good, send me, I'll go. Like I want to say yes to you, Jesus, whatever it may be. The timing is up to him, not our digital calendars, amen? The understanding of how it's going to work out timing-wise is up to him, not our minds that just have a minute perspective compared to how he sees all the things that he is weaving together for the good of those who follow him. Amen? Give the timing to him. You take care of the obedience, let him take care of the rest. Let him take care of the rest. The other thing that we see here is there is a clear vision. There is a clear vision in this opportunity to respond. Jesus doesn't just say like, Come, follow me. We're gonna have a great time chilling on the beach. Like, there's no ambiguity about what they're going to do, right? Like, cause that's important. Like, you're called to something, not just called to leave something. You don't get called out of something to just chill and do nothing. You get called from something to something. And Jesus says, Come, follow me. I'm gonna make you fish for people. That's weird. Like, <laughs> hooks hurt. Well, first of all, they didn't use hooks, so we can get over that. I know there's some fishermen in the room. They use nets. They cast nets to bring in the fish. He's saying, hey, you're a fisherman right now, and this is what you do for a job. And so the paradigm in which you view the world is through this this idea of fishing, of catching something. I'm going to equip you and send you and make you fishers of people. I'm going to give you nets to cast into the dark, broken places that you would gather broken people and that they would be changed by the opportunity to respond to the good news that the kingdom of God is coming. Like That's what I'm going to do with you. And then with Paul, he says, you're going to go preach the gospel. You are going to share the good news. He doesn't just say, hey, come follow me. Let's go on a little trip. Let's go to Vegas for the weekend, right? He's like, no, come follow me. I'm going to make you fishers for men. You're going to preach the gospel. There is a purpose greater than their selves that they are called into. How do I know if God's calling me into this? Well, one way to look at it is like, what's, what's the vision? What is he calling you into? And is the purpose greater than yourselves and something that you desperately need him to fuel you in? Is it of God? One way to tell is, do you desperately need him to fulfill that call? Or is it just something that you can use your skills and gifts and relational charismatic nature to make things happen and maneuver relationships? Like, is God calling you to something much bigger than yourself that will require your dependence on him and the filling of the Holy Spirit to see it carried out? There's a timing aspect we see here, and there's a vision. Fish for people. Preach the gospel. Now, the third thing we see is... The least fun of all of them. You're like, well, pastor, those weren't too fun already. Did you all notice that in every one of these there's a sacrifice being made? I'm not talking like altar and animal type of sacrifice. I'm talking like a sacrifice in your priorities and your preferences. They all left something. And it was important enough that the scripture indicated that they left something. They had to leave what they were doing. There was a sacrifice, whether it was the family business, whether it was their only means that they knew to receive and and gain income. They all left something. Their priorities had to realign to follow him. So, I'm asking you right now if, with what you know, it requires of you to follow Jesus and give him your everything, say, Yes, Jesus, I don't just like the idea of you being Lord, but I want to live my life in a way that says you are Lord and reflects that to this world, what priorities need to change in your life? You will never get them all right. They will always be shifting. You're never going to be perfect at it, but we should always be asking ourselves, God, how do I need to shift my priorities to be in step with you right now? How do I shift my priorities to be in step with you? What of my own personal preference and comfort and desires do I have to leave in this moment to say yes to you? And some of you might be in here and you're like, wait, 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 wait. You mean when I say yes to Jesus, he doesn't just make everything go smooth and perfect and all my relationships are just like, voila, they're all in good status. And like I'm making the bank and I got the nice house and all the. It doesn't just all come to me. Like, doesn't the Bible say blessed and highly favored? Like, where's the blessed and highly favored? Like, no, when you give your life to Jesus, you give him everything. You will have to sacrifice some things because it's all about his kingdom and what he's establishing, not your kingdom and what you desire to establish. So now are your finances going, being prioritized to build the kingdom of self or the kingdom of God? Is your time being aligned and things opened up in your calendar to build a kingdom of self in your own relationships that may not have purpose and intentionality? Or are they being used to develop the kingdom of God, to seek him first, to preach the gospel, to share good news that changes lives? How many in here lives have been changed by Jesus? How many's li- Yeah, like... If my life is changed by something, you best bet I want to tell somebody about it. I want to tell somebody about it. And that might require some sacrifice. That means if I go fill up with gas at the gas station and I'm, you know, in an introvert mood, which doesn't happen too often for me but more these days that I'm getting older, and I go to the gas station I'm like I just want to have zero words. <laughs> I wish I could pump my own gas, like other states that got this thing right, so I didn't have to deal with this. But someone's going to come to my window. I'm going to have to roll the window down and tell them what I want, right? Like, or maybe you choose Starbucks instead of Dutch Bros because you don't want to have an entire conversation when you get your coffee. Like, Sometimes we're in that situation. But then on the flip side of that, man, I just wish I could talk to somebody about Jesus, Right? Well, go somewhere that it's their job to talk to you. Like, hey, what you doing? I'm going, getting ready to go to church. I'm going to go to, to my life group. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, you think that's awesome? No, they just told you that, like, they have to say that. But hey, you told me that's awesome. <laughs> hey, would you like to come? <laughs> That'll do one of two things. It'll either shut them up or <laughs> they'll come to life group, right? But, like, what does it look like to be selfless with your time? Be like, I'm, I'm supposed to go start conversations and actually say, gosh, everything that I want right now is to have my window up and not talk to anybody. But, God, you love that person. And I don't know if anybody's told him that today. I don't know if they've had anyone ask them their name this entire week of work. Hey, what's your name? You get off sooner, you just start in your shift, right? I'm like, why does this guy care? It's like, I pray you have a great day, man. I just hope that it goes smooth. I hope you stay dry and warm. I see those boots. I know your feet are staying warm. Like, something, so like just have a conversation. Act like you see them and you care about them. Acknowledge that they are a human being that's serving you and probably doing everything they can to make ends meet, right? Nobody says, I'm going to go get a bachelor's in gas station work, okay? So how about you bring some light of Jesus to those places and show them that they are a human and you recognize that you see them and care about them? Now, everything inside of me says, Oop, window up, I'm good, let's blare some music. But Jesus says, "Now nah, you don't get to be selfish with this time right now. This is my time. You're awake. I gave you the air in your lungs this morning. I've given you purpose. I've given you new life. And who are you to withhold what God might be doing through you at any given moment? Now, that can seem really tiring, right? Now, I'm not saying that every conversation, every person I see, like I'm in here and I see someone walking by, hold up, y'all, I got to go say hi to that person. I'm not that guy. And most of you in here have spent some time with me. And I'm not like chasing people down all that. Sometimes I might because I feel like God tells me to. But I'm not saying that just every little thing all the time, if I'm locked in spending time with my kids or my wife, unless God's like, hey, you need to go pray for that person. You go say hi to that person. I'm, I'm with them. It doesn't mean you can't be present in the other areas you have stewardship in your life, but we can't be selfish with our stewardship of our life. We need to hand it to God and say, what do you want to do with these moments? How would you call me to do little things that might be big things to other people? How do you call me to reprioritize my mindset and the way in which I engage the world around me because of how you engaged and changed me? That's what we ask ourselves, and it's a sacrifice. I'm not saying it's easy. I know a lot of us in this room work really hard, and we get home, and the last thing we want to do is to say, oh, God, how can I give you more time? Or how can I realign my priorities? Like, I'd really just like to watch a show and fall asleep, right, on the couch, (laughs) wherever it may be. But if we ask ourselves regularly, God, what do you want to do in this moment? Would you like to use me? How? What should I do? How can I respond? Like, those kinds of questions, you might be amazed at the life that that sacrifice actually brings. You might be amazed at how it actually makes you come alive from the inside out, from a simple act of sacrificing your own desires and giving them to Jesus. It's powerful stuff. So, we need to evaluate the timing. We need to look at, like, when God calls the disciples, the response that we are modeled is to say yes at once, immediately. We need to look at the vision. What is God wanting to do in any given moment or call in our life? And we know that he has come to seek and save the lost, to set the captives free. And so most of what you're going to be engaged in as a follower of Jesus is going to be along those lines. Along those lines. That's the family business that you're brought into when you're adopted as a child of God. And it's going to require sacrifice. And I believe that as you live a lifestyle of sacrificing for the lordship of Jesus... That actually becomes more of a gift than the other ones can sometimes. The sacrifice actually brings this indicator of new life. And it it can invigorate you when you're like, that wasn't even me. I can't believe God did that. Like, I didn't want to do that, but I said yes, and look what he did. Has anybody ever experienced that? Where you're just like, it's an unspeakable, like, joy that builds up inside of you for, like, no reason in your own mind, except that you said yes to Jesus and he did something with it. That's what happens when we offer him a sacrifice. We have to leave something to step into something, and that's okay. That doesn't mean you got it wrong. That doesn't mean that God's against you. It means he's called you to something. There's a sacrifice. And the final thing here is this warrants a response. When God calls you, we should have a response there's those things that we filter through timing vision there is a sacrifice let's count the cost so I know what I'm stepping into and that doesn't mean that counting the cost means no it just says be aware that there will be a cost but then we have to respond and I believe wrapping it back to the beginning As a Christian following Jesus, our response to God's call, Him maybe even calling us to rearrange our priorities, to to leave something, to sacrifice, to say yes at once to something, shouldn't be, You can't make me, but rather, God, make me available. God, would you make me available? Instead of the kid that says, make me, it's like, God, make me, make me that. I'm not that right now. My heart direction, my desires, my thought life, my selfishness is not that right now, but God, would you make me that? Would you make me in step with you not some like punitive make me like force you with a choke collar and a leash but God would you change me make me into mold me into the person that can say yes and that you can use in this moment. Lord, would you make me available? So when you come into situations where you're like, I'm just not available to do that. I don't have any relational availability. I don't have any time availability. The reality is like if God's calling you to something, he can shake things up and make availability for you. He can provide the time, the heart, the relational aptitude, whatever it may be for you to say yes. But what will you do with your yes? Will you withhold it or will you offer it up? Will you withhold it or will you offer it up? Will you say, I'm not available, or Lord, would you make me available? I believe that we are on the cusp of a great move of God in our city, on our campus, and in our nation. And I would hate... (laughs) To be the person that sits back trying to figure it out and get stuck as an observer rather than saying, God, would you make me available to be a part of this, to share this, to see what you're doing here? God, would you make me available? Isaiah 6.8 says this, and I heard of the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, and y'all know this, right? I said, Here I am, send me would our response be, God, make me available. Here I am. Send me. I don't even know what it looks like, but I know it's you. And I want to say yes to you. I want to respond out of a place of faith to what you're calling on my life, not guarding my own heart and guarding my time, thinking that you're going to like take more than you deserve. He's given us everything we have anyway. You can't like over offer things up to Jesus, You can't, like, over-serve. Now, there's there's wisdom. If you're just here at the church all the time doing things just because you feel like you want to rearrange the chairs another centimeter or something, like, that might not be wisdom, okay? But, like, as far as responding to his call in your life and engaging the lost in this world in his name, like, when we say yes, how all that works out is up to him. There's people in this room that, like, full-time or part-time raise funds to do their job as a missionary or even Casey and I as pastors. Like, we go out and we tell people, like, hey, do you want to contribute to this? And one of the things we always say is, like, hey, if God's called you, like, he's going to provide. He's going to find a way. It's not up to you to be anxious about how is God going to do this. But it is up to you to say, I'm going to go have the conversations and make the asks and have the phone calls and trust that he's going to weave it all together, that he's going to provide the people and the resources, not something that we have to be angsty over. Because when he's called, he provides. So what does that look like for you today? What does that look like besides the simple response of, God, would you make me available? Right now, I don't feel like I have any availability. In fact, I haven't for five, six years. But I recognize what your Bible says. I recognize that I'm called to live a certain way. But maybe you feel like you've been stiff-arming it for so long that it's just too unreachable. That you've been protecting yourself from the vulnerability of saying yes for so long that it's just really scary and overwhelming to think about even taking a step in that direction. And I believe for you, the first step is simply to repent for that. Now, this word repent is it's an interesting one in our culture because too many of us are familiar with it from billboards and signs and people yelling in megaphones. But the reality is repent is an amazing word that indicates a change of direction from a way opposite of Jesus, turning complete opposite way in pursuing him. It's saying, I am no longer saying yes to the things that are going to pull me away. I'm changing directions, and I'm coming to you, Jesus, the best I can, every step, every moment. I just want to head towards you. It doesn't mean you get teleported to Christlikeness. It means you're headed in his direction. It's not this shameful word, oh, you mean I have to admit that I'm broken and I'm wrong? Well, yeah, it is that. But you have to admit that I'm going the wrong way on my own, and I need to turn to Jesus. So the first step is you need to repent. You need to change directions. You need to have humility and faithful courage saying, God, I don't even know what this looks like, but I know it's you, and I want to follow you and pursue you in this. God, my life has been so impacted by you. Who am I to try to like figure it out in my own mind, and put restrictions on how you want to use me. Who am I to put restrictions on how you would use me? Worship team, you can come back up. But instead, say no to this whole self-governance thing. No to me figuring it all out my own way and saying yes to following Jesus in faith, following his leading, following his direction, his vision, his timing, sacrificing for his plans and purposes <clears throat> I believe that repentance is one of those things and maybe because it's the cultural pressure that the church talks too less or too little about because it's like oh that's it's a scary word but the reality is we are called to live a lifestyle of repentance We never get it all right, and we're confronted with the reality that we come up short at some point in every day, or maybe multiple points if you're like me, in every day. And there's a humility when you say, God, I got that one wrong, and I want to turn from that, and I want you to lead me in this. I want to pursue you in this. And when we live a lifestyle of that way, that is full of humility and faithful courage, saying, I want to step in your direction, God can change your heart. He can transform you. And it's through that act that He can actually make you available. He can make you more like Him. He can make you into what you currently aren't. He can transform your heart. He can provide resources and means and ways of doing these things. But if you're saying, I want to keep doing it my way, and I want you to get on board, Jesus, it doesn't work like that. You have to turn and follow him. So as we close up today, I want to do a couple different things. The first is, I want to just pray for repentance and for, like, holy conviction on our hearts to follow Jesus in a more meaningful way. I want to pray that he would do that in this room. And that's great and all, like prayer from the pastor up front, cool, yes, that's good. And us submitting saying, yeah, I I need that prayer. That's a good thing. But then after that, we're going to have some of the prayer team in the back of the room. And we have an extended response time today. We have a few more songs. um, And we're going to provide you an opportunity to go get specific prayer over your situation, what you're dealing with. Getting with someone in community and standing and declaring like, God, make me available. I want you to change this. God, help me to repent, to turn from my own ways and turn to you. Maybe you've never made a decision to fully follow Jesus. Today's the day. Go back there and pray with somebody. God, I give you my life. I know you love me. I know you want a relationship with me. And I know you've went through great extent to even get me in this room today. If that's you, go back and pray with somebody. See what he might do in your life. And the cool thing about that, it's not just about you. Because like, he does something in you, and then he does something through you. He's going to use you to then impact the next person. All of us have a story of how someone reached into our lives. Someone was obedient and had courage to invite us or talk to us about something. And then we get the opportunity to do that and pass it on as we follow him. So the first thing I want to do, if, if you know, like, God, I've been living under this idea that I don't have any availability. I have a lack of availability. But this morning and through understanding scripture and and through his words today, you're like, okay, God, I want you to make me available. I wanna turn from this broken thought pattern and I wanna turn to you and I wanna give that to you. I just wanna give you the opportunity right now to raise your hand and I'm gonna pray for you. If you're like, God, make me available. I'm sick of trying to do it myself. Just have some courage. Go ahead and put up your hand. We want to fight back against this perception of a lack of availability, and we want to give our lives, our hearts, and our trust to Jesus. So, God, I thank you that you lead us. I thank you that you provide. I thank you that you give us vision, God, that you call us to follow you for a purpose. And I thank you for every area that you're going to lead us right now and maybe it's a sacrifice, maybe it's a realignment of of priorities. God, whatever it is, I thank you that you're working in those things. And for every hand raised right now, Father, I pray you'd make yourself known in a tangible way to these people. God, would you help give them faithful courage to walk out the lifestyle that you've called them into? God, would you give them direction? Would you give them names? Would you even give them people to be praying for and praying over? God, would there be a mighty move of your spirit in their lives? And would they look back at this moment and know that they have never been the same since a simple hand raise and saying, God, make me available. So we thank you for that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So as we continue on in this spirit of worship, we've got some prayer team in the back. I would encourage you, if God's doing something in you, if maybe you need prayer, you're like, I just don't know what to do with this. Please do not leave here without getting prayer, without talking to somebody standing back there. They're not scary. You don't have to come in front where everybody's watching, but God is calling you to take a step today, and we thank you in advance for allowing us to be a part of that. Amen? Let's stand and worship.